Hey, this is Ollie, and welcome to The Body Reset. This podcast is being built to help career-driven professionals and business owners intelligently upgrade their body, energy, and personal performance in the modern world. I want to help uncover some of the core concepts, beliefs, and frameworks that we've used with thousands of clients to navigate health and performance as we age. If you want more like this, simply subscribe so you never miss the newest episode. Hey team, Mandy here, clinical nutritionist at The Body Reset. Hey, today I want to dive into the topic of blood sugar control. We've been kind of discussing this in the program and in this group a little bit recently. Uh, It's been a little bit of a focus for us and a discussion point because it's something that we see so often. And why blood sugar control is a really interesting topic to get into is that it's a little bit of a silent progression. So blood sugar imbalance occurs and we, other than maybe some symptoms which we might not necessarily link back to our blood sugar straight away, it pretty much goes by unnoticed. It doesn't cause us unnecessary pain in the same way that some other conditions can. And so it's very easy to ignore until it gets to a point where it really requires some fairly decent intervention. And blood sugar imbalance is really important because it impacts our risk factor for so many of the things that we're really looking to avoid, whether that's, you know, the here and now, whether it's um, energy, uh, weight loss, all those sorts of things, or whether it's actually those more long-term conditions such as our cardiovascular disease risk, our risk for type 2 diabetes, etc. It's really important that we're finding that balance with our blood sugar and kind of understanding what that actually means. So before I get into, I've got five, I've got five tools that I commonly use that we build into treatment programs that we use with our own clients, just tools for life to help live in a more balanced way, I guess. Um, But before I get into that, I just want to quickly give you a little bit of an overview when it comes to blood sugar. There's more to it than just our actual level. So when we're talking about blood sugar, we want to be optimizing for three kind of key components, and that is our blood sugar stability. So we don't want to be kind of spiking our blood sugar up with meals, with sugar, with carbohydrates, et cetera, and then dropping those down really low. So the the faster and the harder you spike, the faster and the harder you fall, and the lower you're likely to go. And it's these spikes and falls which become very repetitive because when we drop into low blood sugar, our body has a stress response and it sends us looking for more quick energy. And so it's very likely at those times when you get a bit hangry, you get a bit shaky, lose focus, that you're going to go and start looking for something which is a quick energy source, such as refined carbohydrates or sugar, etc. So we want to minimize the spike in the first place so we can minimize the drop on the other side. The other part with blood sugar is minimizing the amount of time that our blood sugar, that we're existing in a state of elevated blood sugar. So post-prandially or post-meal, our blood sugars will rise because, of course, we've put food in and all the macros, fats, protein and carbohydrates to some degree will have some sort of impact on blood sugar regulation and blood sugar rise. But carbohydrates by far and away stimulate the biggest elevation in blood sugar. So post-meal, we're always going to get a rise in blood sugar, and that's actually fine. Our body is designed with the tools to deal with that and utilize that energy. The trouble is when we're snacking 
or constantly eating or eating um, really, really big meals, not utilizing that fuel and then putting more in. And we're living in a state of constantly elevated blood sugar levels and we're never getting this kind of nice pattern that we should be getting. That's a problem as well. So that that constant sitting at a high level of blood sugar is, is a problem and something we need to be looking at and something we, you know, we're looking to lower when we're talking about blood sugar balance. And the other part of it is to do with the steepness of the spikes and the drops. So we sort of touched on this with just stability and minimizing that drop. But what we also want to do is we want to flatten the curve somewhat. And this actually comes from um, how we're structuring our meals, what we're doing uh, post meal to utilize the fuel that we've put in. And it is going to vary from person to person. So one person may tolerate, say, for example, some oats really well, and it doesn't spike their blood sugar really high. Others, they might get quite a high spike from that. So starting to kind of pay attention to those symptoms. How do you feel after a meal? If you feel tired and sleepy after you've had a sandwich, probably a good sign that the sandwich is not doing you too well because it's likely spiking your blood sugar levels high, dropping you down and not serving you very well. So when we're looking at blood sugar, we're, talk, we're, we're really kind of understanding on the whole and how it's impacting in our body and not just how do we kind of balance it out we want to be getting this nice gentle controlled use of the blood sugar which is a good thing but can easily get out of balance so let's go into this the, the first tool that I want to talk about here is a really really simple one and everyone can put this into practice and it's really well backed up by the research as well and that is simply a 15 minute walk after a meal now um, you could do this any time of the day. You could do this after every single meal. If you have blood sugar imbalance or you have type 2 diabetes or you're pre-diabetic and you know you've got blood sugar control issues, this is such a simple thing that you can put in. It's simply getting up off your butt, going for a walk around. You might walk around the room. You might walk around the block. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be fast. You don't need to run. It's just self-paced walking for 10, 15 minutes after a meal. And the researchers have done this with a group of people and actually measured their blood glucose across that time and the blood glucose in the people that go for the work walk versus the people that don't declines at a much gentler pace so it comes down faster which is good because we don't want to be sitting at that high spiked level but it doesn't drop off it just kind of nicely curves down and that's exactly what we want to do and that is because when you're moving you're allowing your body to gently move food through your digestive system release that glucose into your blood and then your muscles are picking up the blood um the glucose which is what we want to happen we want our muscles to pick up that incoming energy utilize it as a fuel source store it as glycogen um, and for that extra sugar not to go to the liver where it gets converted into a fat because we can't store free glucose in the body we have limited glycogen capacity which is our glucose storage the rest of it gets turned into fat so if you don't pick up that glucose at that time with movement then it's going to end up going to your liver and we turn it into a fat and whether that gets stored or burned who knows that depends on in, in the following energy that comes in and how active you are etc but we really want to be utilizing and moving the glucose from our digestive system to our blood and into our muscles so it's not sitting around in our blood causing issues so 15 minute walk post meal significantly reduces and improves blood sugar control after the meal that's tip number one tip number two is a really interesting one and a really actually a really old one and it is um the use of apple cider vinegar 
A little bit of apple cider vinegar with your meals also has been shown in the research to lower the postprandial or post-meal blood sugar spike. So your blood sugars don't go as high. And the reason for this potentially is because apple cider vinegar somewhat slows down gastric emptying. Now that seems like a bad thing, but actually think of it like this. If I was to pour some water on that plant over there, for example, there's a certain amount of water that that pot could hold before it would overflow. Now, let's let's just say it's a liter. If I dribble a liter into it slowly, that's all going to go in there, no problem. If I just tipped a liter of water straight onto it, all the dirt and everything's going to overflow. So it's exactly the same with how we eat. If we're eating um, food where there's blood sugar that's being very quickly released into our blood supply at a speed that our body can't use it, then it is going to overflow to the liver and cause us issues. If, however, we slow gastric emptying down, which is what the apple cider vinegar does, then we can allow that drip feed more so that our body actually has the capacity to use the incoming energy as it comes rather than coming in such a rush. Hey, I hope you're really enjoying this episode. Uh, I wanted to take a quick second to say, please reach out to me on social media. Some people worry about um, interrupting me or sending me emails, but I love to hear how these podcasts and videos are impacting you and what future content you'd really like to hear so if you could reach out to me and let me know how this podcast has helped or what you'd like us to dive into that'd be amazing and we'll make sure that we bring the most relevant content to you moving forward also if you know someone that you think this could really impact and benefit uh, they could listen to on their morning walk or their commute or when they're in the kitchen uh, then it'd be amazing if you can tag them in a post or simply share uh, this on spotify or wherever else you listen with them it makes a massive difference in making sure that we can serve and help as many people as we can uh, all right, let's get back to the episode. Awesome to have you here. So apple cider vinegar is a really useful tool. You can put it on your meals as a dressing. You can take it in a little shot of water just before you eat. But it's a really nice, easily accessible tool, which we can use as well. It also has the added benefit of just helping us break our food down really well and digest our proteins better, which is a nice little side side benefit. The next one I want to talk about here is about carbohydrates. Now, carbohydrates have been demonized somewhat um, recently, you know, within the kind of keto, low-carb space, etc. But carbohydrates per se are not the problem. The real issue with the carbohydrates is actually the amount and then the quality. So I want to give you a really nice little thought process here when you're looking at carbohydrates and thinking about what you're going to eat and picking what you're going to eat. What we want to be doing is we want to be looking for carbohydrates which are in the form they grew in. And the reason for this is that plants grow their cellular structure and within that they have carbohydrates. So, you know, when we eat a potato, when we eat a carrot, when we eat cabbage or broccoli or anything actually, we get some carbohydrates. But to get the carbohydrate fuel from the cell of that plant, our body has to break apart the cell. This requires enzyme work within our digestion. So if you eat a teaspoon of sugar and you eat, say, 100 grams of Coumarin, you may, on the whole, get the same amount of sugar out of those two thirds. But the sugar, the teaspoon of sugar is going to go straight into your bloodstream and again, overflow the pot plant, where the coumara is going to go slowly because your body has to work on those cells to break them apart to get the carbohydrate out of them. So there's a big difference between what we call cellular carbohydrates, so that's carbohydrates in the form they grew in, versus acellular carbohydrates, which is carbohydrates which have been dried and ground up, or the energy has been removed from the fibrous cellular component for you. So we're talking about fruit juices, we're talking about sugar, you know, 
in any form. We're talking about flour and any ground up starchy kind of food. So that's your gluten-free flours and everything. Those are very, very quick sugar sources for the body because we don't have to do any work for them. We eat them, we digest them, we get a sugar hit from them. So really, if we're looking to balance our blood sugar, we want to be looking at that slower release. So we're looking at our root vegetables. We're looking at um, whole grain grains if we're going to choose grains. And from a glycemic perspective, we are better to lean on the root vegetables more than anything else. But, you know, like your brown rice or quinoa or those sorts of things, which are in the whole form and your body's got to do the work to get that energy out of them. That simple switch, honestly, could be game changing for your blood sugar balance. So looking for cellular carbohydrates or carbohydrates in the form that they grew in. The next one that I want to touch on here is actually meal timing. And there's two components to this. So one is not eating too late into the night. There's been various studies that have looked at meal timing and it, and it kind of does show across the board that people that eat later in the day are more likely to be glucose burners rather than fat burners. So we kind of upregulate the glucose burning pathways in our body and we downregulate fat oxidation. And this creates blood sugar imbalance issues, which sends us back to carbohydrates and quick fuel. So we really want to bring our food earlier into the day, into the daylight hours, when our body is actually in a space where it's moving and our, our pancreas and all that and our digestive system's turned on. And at night, our insulin response is not as good. We're not going to deal with those glu that glucose that's coming in as much and obviously hopefully we're going to be sleeping and not actually burning that energy anyway so bringing your food back into the evening really we shouldn't be eating all that often after eight o'clock it's okay here and there but on the whole we should really be aiming to eat most of our meals before eight o'clock in the evening ideally the other part is not pushing your food too late into the morning. And I know a lot of people do intermittent fasting, and if this is working for you, cool. If it's not, be honest about that, because actually, you know, if your blood sugar is dipping over the night, which it does, it drops down, um, you get the morning cortisol rise, which causes our body to release stored glucose, which elevates our blood sugar levels. And then if you've not got some food coming in to stabilize that out, and I'm talking about fats and proteins here, then we might be more inclined to be getting in dip. And I've actually seen this play out with clients that are testing their blood sugars or on a continuous glucose monitor, that if they go too late into the morning before having that first protein-based meal, then they, their blood sugars tend to elevate higher in the morning, and we absolutely don't want that because that just sets us on that kind of blood sugar roller coaster, which is not only not very fun, it's not great for our goals either. So timing of meals is quite important. Not too late in the day, not too late in the morning, and, and, and eating in those daylight hours and, and eating you know, aligned with our circadian rhythm is really, really important. The last one I want to just touch on here is eating whole meals rather than snacking. Part of this comes back to that glucose spike thing. A lot of snacks are just unadulterated carbohydrates, essentially, aren't they? Um, they're just carbohydrates that are just going to give us a bit of a, a spike and then leave us wanting more later on. And it's also... This ties in as well to that kind of discussion about are we just sitting at an elevated glucose response all the time? So if you eat a meal, you get a blood sugar rise. If you, this is going to slowly dip down into your next meal, then you snack and you have another blood sugar rise and you have lunch and you have another blood sugar rise and you can stay high all day. So if we create some space between our meals and we structure our meals that we're getting protein, fats and carbs, so you've got a nice balance there, 
that's going to fuel you for two to three, four hours to your next meal. You do that again and you get this nice dip and curve. You're not spiking, you're not dropping too quickly, but you've got a nice curve where you can kind of come back down and then refuel again. So meal composition and then avoiding those snacks is really, really important for blood sugar control. Giving your body the chance to digest well, bring it down and then have some more food and get into it. So these are a couple of tools. Walking, apple cider vinegar, being really mindful of the quality of the carbohydrates you're eating, looking for those cellular carbs, meal timing, and then meal structure and avoiding those snacking. Those are some of the real basics. There's so many tools we can use for balancing blood sugar control, um, for balancing our blood sugar levels, which overall improves our energy, improves our health, and decreases our risk factor for so many different things. And the, the one thing I want to add here is, you know, the blood sugar markers that we have, the range for them is not optimal. If we are normal, it's probably not a great thing because the range is really moving to that top end because it's so common now for there to be blood sugar imbalance going on in a lot of people. So we want to be looking at being optimal with our blood sugar markers. So if this has kind of spiked your interest, if this is something that you think actually this is something I really do need to look into and work on, then we've got a training for you. Just comment five-step guide below and we can get that sent out. It's going to give you a little bit more detail, a few more of our tips and tricks um, and how we can kind of really work on this to improve this, improve your energy, improve your health and improve your longevity in the long term. Hope this was helpful, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Body Reset, world leaders in health and performance coaching. If you love this episode, it would be a massive help if you just share with one person that you think would benefit. I'd also love to hear from you personally on social media or via email if I can help you personally. Until next time, remember, long-term change comes from self-compassion. And thanks for tuning in.